the Architects of Business on Joe is supported by the EY Entrepreneur of the Year programme, telling the story of Ireland's leading entrepreneurs across the island of Ireland. Cully and Sully were two young men with a van and a dream. And their journey in the consumer food business has put an Irish name onto the world stage. This is the Architects of Business. I'm Ty Genwright. Thank you for joining me for the first in a new series of weekly interviews with leading entrepreneurs. We're in London for our very special first show on the 10th floor of EY's global headquarters overlooking the River Thames. We're drinking in the majestic views with Tower Bridge on one side and the City of London on the other. It is a picture of success. And among the many Irish entrepreneurs gathered here for the EY Entrepreneur of the Year annual retreat are the founders of Cully and Sully. Colm O'Sullivan and Colin Allen had an idea for a range of convenience foods that tasted like they came from a restaurant. I told him he was mad. Sully basically rang me up one day and said, listen, do you want to start a food business? And I said, uh... There's got to be easier ways to make money than, than the food world. Collie and Sully's soups, pies and other wholesome foods are now on supermarket shelves across Europe. Supermarket industry is not a place for naive people. It's a t- tough business they're selling. They have a, a shelf space which is very valuable and you've got to perform. Today we'll hear how their foodie families in Cork taught them never to compromise on quality. We sat down and Sally was there and you know, we were saying to them, we want to use Ballymoney recipes. We don't want to call it Ballymoney foods or anything like that, but we want to use the Ballymoney shepherd's pie and the Ballymoney fish pie recipe. My grandmother was clear, clear as the day. She was like, there's no problem bringing out ready meals, just as long as the quality is right. And about their heartfelt belief in the importance of truly healthy food. And one of the things that was very obvious to us, I think, was, was um, how far removed so many young kids are now from food. So for us, one of the areas we'd like to try and help influence is educating kids in Ireland about food so that they can make their own informed decisions. Collie, Sully, thank you very much for joining us today. I mean, tell me first of all about the nicknames. I mean, are they for real or do you just come up with them for the brand? They're, they're for real. Absolutely, they're for real. I'm, I'm, I'm a nickname. It's just his name. <laughs> <laughs> so I was Cully to my sisters, to my cousins, maybe to friends, whatever. But I'm definitely in, and like I kind of slightly joke that I've gone from Cully for my friends to Mr. Cully. <laughs> I kind of missed out the bit in the middle, whereas Sully and all his brothers are all Sully to all their mates. I mean, yeah. you, I mean yeah. yeah. And then when we started the business, we were, when we were researching the idea, we had a little converted room in Ballymaloo, and there's about 100 people there, thereabouts between family and people who are working there. And they were saying, how are Cully and Sully getting on? Are Sully and Cully, or you know, whichever variation of that. And we said, well, could we call the business Cully and Sully? And we were looking at other ideas at the time. It wasn't, it wasn't overly apparent to us that we'd call the business Cully and Sully. We were looking at names like Rocket and Time or Eleanor's Food or you know, loads Shanagari of other kind of, foods. Shanagari Foods, more kind of serious names. And then I can't remember exactly when we said, well, let's call it Cully and Sully. But I do remember going to people in Dublin when we were researching the idea saying we're going to call the, we were thinking about calling the business Cully and Sully. What do you think? Well, we had, we had that day when we had the three names. We had right. Cully and Sully, yeah. we had Cullen and Cullum, and yeah. we had Rocket and Time. Yeah. And we stood outside, if anybody knows it, the, um, the Super Value and the Marks and Spencers in Merchants Key Shopping Centre. And sort of, you kind of that day actually brought one brought through one of our main mantras, sort of of the project of of the whole of the whole brand. And people like you know, we'd say, "What do you think of Rocket and Time?" And they go, "Yeah." 
What do you think of Cullen and Cullen? Mm-hmm. What's your name? What do you think of Cullen? And they just smile. Yeah. And it's, 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 I mean, that's core to us. I mean, there's two great, one thing is like the food needs to taste delicious. And the other thing is we need to make people smile. And, and, and then I suppose the next thing that happened is we came up with the name and we met him and uh, the guy who designed the Lucozade bottle or something. And he goes, yeah. I love everything about the business, but I hate the name. Yeah. And I was like, oh. And that, <laughs> that stage packaging was ordered. <laughs> yeah, you, I mean, it was about four and a half seconds after we pressed the button to order the packaging and decided, <laughs> I was like, we're not changing it. It's well, just not happening. I think history has proved that guy wrong at this stage. Yeah. But take me back to the very beginning. So you guys were friends before you ever even entertained the idea of going into business together. Yes. How yes. did you meet each other? How did you know each other? Uh, our, my, I went to the primary school of Middleton College. And so he went to the senior school, the Middleton College. <laughs> There's no senior. Just went to Middleton College. And so all my mates went into school with him. So we're both the same yeah. year. And then I went off to, um, I was going to get a curse there. I went off to, um, curse on you. <laughs> went off to Newtown, Quaker school. We're a Quaker family. And um, played against these guys in hockey and rugby and cricket and the rest of it. And then I started to drive. And that's actually when I started to drive yeah. and I used to drink, started to drink, and of course we'd never drink and drive. Um, we, I started hanging out with friends from primary school again, and um, you were mates with them, and, yeah. and then, then we lived together in college. But the fact that you both came from kind of foodie families in Cork, I mean, did that give you something in common, or was that part of what you think drew you together? I think it probably gave us something. Well, started off with me cooking and you cleaning up. That was definitely, yeah. I mean, like, the, oh, brilliant. <laughs> Perfect mixture. Perfect business combo. I was studying food science in, or food business in UCC. Uh, Cole was studying fine art and sculpture in the Crawford. That's the irony of it all. Yeah. And um, as I say, you know, Cole, Cole cooked, I shopped, I washed up. Um and there was kind of a natural synergy there between the two things. I was always looking for ideas and we'd always discuss ideas of setting up a business. Um, after college, I worked for Musgrave for a while, but it was always about setting up a business. What do we do? We make stocks, we make sandwiches. I was smoking chickens for a while with a friend in Cork. Um, Always trying to do something. So, so it wasn't a big eureka moment. This no. was always kind of no. at the back of your mind. Yeah, you were well, such good friends. Because it was, it was, it was what year? It was in, uh, we were in college in 95, 96, 96, 96, 96 we were in Gilabi um, living together. And 2004, we brought out the, the business. Yeah, but it was leaving school in 94 to 2004. It was like we were talking about stocks and... A year later, and ten years later, almost to the to, to the button, actually to the yeah. lunch of the soups we bought out. Two thousand six is when we bought out the soups, and so it was like very obviously closely connected the stocks and the soups. And but it was just by coincidence. And throughout those years, you were just turning over ideas in your head and wondering what's the what's the right one to bring to market. Not at all. No. What, what, what do you mean? <laughs> you probably <laughs> were. There, well, yeah, I, I was. I was. Always, I was studying fine arts. Let's put that. Yeah. <laughs> but the <laughs> ideas weren't always around food. I mean, I remember I was looking at a business with coffins. I reckon there was an opportunity with uh, with, with with coffins to America, and you know, I was I I really wanted to start a business. Um, and I just it was just something in me. I can't describe what it what, what it was. And but you know I'd studied food. I had, a re- I had an interest in food. I had an interest in agriculture, and then I suppose out working for Musgrave Group, you saw an awful lot of stuff from there. In, and then in, in the year two thousand, it was a very uh, kind of an entrepreneurial place. There was an awful lot of stuff happening within the business, um, and you were just seeing different opportunities. But always, you know, I could never see myself in a business that big um, for forever. But I told him he was mad. Sully basically rang me up one day and said, "Listen, do you want to start a food business?" And I said. Uh... 
<laughs> well, why were you so hesitant? Because I mean, you, you must have known a fair bit about it. Because you yeah, exactly. Around yeah, yeah, yeah. No, was that the problem? Yeah, exactly the problem. Um, I was chatting to Liam Casey, and you know, he was working in the clothes business once now, and he was saying, "I'd never go into the clothes business because it, what you know is is." I mean, it's always. I suppose the grass is always greener on the other side, isn't it? Like, there's got to be easier ways to make money than than the food world. Um, so, come here. How did he seal the deal? Well, actually, no, I went with it. I went with it. I think you're mad, but let's. I mean, like, I was, actually, I was really at a. I had been working um, as a website designer, and then I started to become a programmer, and that was like the end of it for me. I was like, okay, I got to get out of this job because I'm sitting in front of a computer for too many hours of the day. So I, that was never me. And then I started designing websites myself, and that was kind of. You know, this was, I suppose, what was this, 90, this was around 2000, 2001, 2002, 2003. <clears throat> and it was grand, you know what I mean? But it wasn't, my love wasn't really there. Again, it was at a computer. That wasn't, you know, that's not me. And um, so I was kind of wondering what to do with myself next. So it was, it was kind of one of these um, moments when it just really worked. I had two friends who rang me the same week saying, do you want to start businesses? Silly got in first and thank God I chose that one. <laughs> Mind you, the other guy went on and was very, very successful too. Mm. Um, in will the recycling you, world. Well, you back the right horse. Probably back the more colourful <laughs> horse anyway. Um, so soups. Where did the idea come from to make great quality soup that people can pick up off a supermarket shelf? Well, we launched with the pies first. Oh. So we launched with the pies in, in September 2004. Our original idea was, I, I was living in Dublin. I was working with Musgrave in Ballymun in the, the warehouse there. And you come home in the evenings and you know there was so much, I was living near Castle Knock, kind of out that part of Dublin, and there was so much pizza you could eat. My mum had a small business in Middleton in Cork called the Granary Food Store, and she was making prepared meals. And I'd bring those back when I was home for the weekends, but you know they'd run out. So I was thinking you know, it must be an opportunity for people like me in Dublin, who are by you're, you're by yourself, you're not going to cook a big dinner, um, to eat really good quality food. So that's where the idea started and that brought us on. We, so we spent, so it was in September 2003 that I said to Musgrave, you know, I'm going to leave. And they were very good to me. They said, look, you're mad, but if you want to stay for a couple of months, continue doing your job and if you want to research on the side. And it was a fantastic thing that, that they did. And over that first year, and that was, I think, one of the keys of our success was what we did is we started researching, we started meeting people. And what we do is we go and meet Jack, for example. And Jack, we'd spend an, an, an hour with Jack and we'd always bring along a prototype of our box because a picture is a thousand words. And you could, they could very quickly see that we were serious about what we were going to do. And it articulated our vision for what we, what we wanted to bring to the market. And you'd meet Jack and always these meetings would always just last for about an hour. And you'd always get one or two nuggets of information. And then the other thing that would happen is Jack would always say, well, you got to go and meet Tom. Right. So then you go and meet Tom and then the same thing. And then you meet Tom and then Tom says, well, you got to go meet Rob. And this year um, completely changed our business, um, the vision for our business, and the structure of our business. So, our, you know, everybody who starts a food business thinks, well, you know, we're going to start in our kitchen and we're going to make the soup or the whatever. And we're going to launch in 10 shops and then we go to 20 shops and we grow like that. Um, we, during that year, it was, it was imperative for us, and particularly with the Ballymaloo Association, and also was, you know, what we wanted to do is we did not, and the food world in 2004 was very, very different to where it is now. Even the, some of the very, very good retailers that are out there, there was hydrogenated fat, it was full of emulsifiers. When we spoke to people about not wanting to use, not wanting, but we were not going to use preservatives, they were saying, well, like, everybody uses preservative, you know, why don't you do it? 
starches and starches uh, and all that yeah, kind yeah. of carry on. But isn't that the difficulty? I mean, you were you were effectively trying to do, and you have done, you know, home style cooking, yeah, restaurant yeah. style cooking. Yeah. that's going to sit in a supermarket shelf for absolutely, who knows, up to a week before somebody actually picks yeah, it up yeah, and takes yeah, it yeah, home. Yeah. And lots of people think that that just couldn't be done. Yeah, well, we didn't know how to do it. I mean, we we and it's interesting you talk about the box. Like we brought the box, but that box was also helping to visualize it for us. And, you know, at, at one stage they were, fr- you know, we were, we were desperately trying to solve this problem of how do we get food to last, food that's meant to last, to last on the shelf. And like, you know, frozen is obviously one, one option. Short shelf life is impossible for the two of us because it, once it, like, we just couldn't, you know, it goes like Tesco's fresh meals, Super Value's fresh meals. There's massive wastage in that. So we were trying to resolve that issue, and um, we did. So I'm going to ask you how you did it, or are you going to have to kill yeah. me if you tell no, me? No, 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 no. So, we, no, 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 so, so yeah. I, while I was in college, I'd heard of this method called sous vide, but again, it was in college. It was, you know, whatever. And then it, through Chiacusk, um, this guy, Ronan Gormley, Gorm, I think yeah, his Ronan name, Gormley, yeah. he said Go to Ronan. us, why don't you look at this method of cooking called sous vide? It's in France. So then we had a friend of a friend, Paul, was going over to France yeah. and he brought back a chill box with meals who, uh, who would, which had been endorsed by three three-star Michelin chefs, Paul Bocuse, Bernard Loiseau and uh, Joël Robuchon. The right? most famous one, yeah. And in France, they don't do celebrity chefs like we do in England and, and, and in Ireland. And in France, chefs, it's very, very serious. So to see three-star Michelin chefs with their faces and their names endorsed on these ready meals, right, was extraordinary. Mm. And they were all sous vide cooks. So sous vide is, you see it in fancy restaurants, not just in fancy, in lots of restaurants, where what you do is you basically put your, 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 your piece of fish or whatever into a bag, you vacuum pack it, and you steam cook that bag. So all the nutrition, all, all the flavors that you stay within that bag. So we um, researched the companies who were doing this, basically the three companies who were making for those yeah. three chefs. Carl sent them an email. I had a company and, and, and I suppose, you know, we talk about like, I always say when people are starting a business and you know, use any advantages you've got. And I remember writing that email and checking with Sally and going like, you know, how are we going to tackle this one? And it was like three lines. It was like, hi, I'm Colin Allen. I come from Ballymaloo. And, you know, my grandmother was heavy Euro talk. So it was like, you know, Myrtle Allen, something like literally like a very famous hotel in Ireland. Sully works for Musgraves, one of the largest retailers in Ireland. Can we meet you? I mean, it was literally that long. Yeah. I mean, it went, and I got yeah. three S's, which was quite an achievement. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so we drove over to a well, company car. So we drove over to France <laughs> and um, we met the three companies and they all brought us out for lunch. Two disregarded us. And there was one wonderful man, a man called Jean-Claude Chauny, who was the export director of a company called Fleury Michon. And he, he was all kind of, yeah, this is fantastic. And uh, <laughs> tomorrow I meet you tomorrow morning in the Gare du Nord or whatever. And he goes, we go for a meeting. And we're like, Grant, we met him in the morning. And three hours later, we're still on the TGV. You know, unbeknownst <laughs> to us, we're going to land in a place called Pouzoge. I mean, we were <laughs> in the west of France. We weren't far from Ile de Ray. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it was yeah. just like, what? And this was an extraordinary company. It was a company that turned over about 500 million. And they had lots of different parts to the business. But the food culture within that business was something that I, I've, I've, it'd be hard yeah, to find it even now. I haven't, haven't seen it since. Um, the top layers of, of, of management from this company were passion, properly passionate about, really, really passionate about food. They had 11 or 13 or something Michelin star chefs in there developing recipes. They knew their stuff. There were guys down there in the kitchens, in the, in the cooking halls with wooden spoons tasting sauces. They weren't just using you know, computers to do stuff. And um, 
even the and investment it, in the kitchen, like you know, yeah. I mean, they, it, you know, we in Ireland you go into a into a sort of a large scale manufacturing place, and they have a kitchen which is almost the canteen. It's just a yeah. disgrace. These guys yeah. had, like, oh, it was just unbelievable. And this is in yeah, two thousand and three. Yeah. yeah. But so, but our idea at the time, and this is interesting, our idea at the time was that we were going to get these guys to partner with us and come to Ireland, and yeah. we were going to build a factory. Right. It was going to be the best factory ever, and we were going to be fantastic, and we were going to sell meals all over the world. Right. And they were on for this. They, we were very open about it. And then we had a very good day there. And we, maybe that evening or the following evening or something, we were having dinner with Jean-Claude. And Jean-Claude said to us, and he, it was a throwaway comment, and, you know, what is the population of Ireland? And I said, it's three million, quite proudly. Huge and, he goes, he, and he goes, what? What? Three million? Sacre bleu. And I said, I said yeah. And he goes, it is impossible. <laughs> it is impossible. And I was like, what? I mean, we're Ireland. I mean, you know, this is, this is a country. Oh, country. And um, he said, oh, it is not possible. So he said, very simple. We can make the meals for you. We ship them to Ireland. And uh, that is it. You can have your recipes. And that was a real struggle for us because Massive. we wanted to be, you know, small, locally produced, uh, somewhere probably around Valley Malou, maybe on the farm. And, that's, and we were going to start off with one or two. These guys couldn't make 10 meals. These guys could make thousands of meals. Yeah, an article out at a time. Yeah. Yeah. Talk to me about how you did actually <clears throat> kind of push the button and, and, and got going. Um, you must have got some kind of financing, did you? Yeah, so yeah, we, got, we got... Um, it was interesting. 2004 in Ireland, Ireland was on fire. We were going to the banks looking for money and they had absolutely no interest in food whatsoever. If we'd wanted 100 grand to buy a field, they probably would have given it to us, but they had no interest in food. A million to buy a field. Yeah. Um, we couldn't get the money and eventually a wonderful man um, agreed to guarantee €100,000 for us. And a funny story about that was we'd been to the local bank manager in Middleton he wouldn't give us the money. Long story short, we get the money from the higher echelons of <laughs> Bank of Ireland, secured by this guy. We go back down to the guy in Middleton and he's quite annoyed about the fact that we've gone over him and we have our money. And he sits us down in, upstairs in the office in Bank of Ireland in Middleton. And he said, right, right, you have your 100 grand now and uh, you know, you better <laughs> be careful of this money now. And we said, well, actually, we'd like to withdraw 30, please. And he goes, what, 30,000 already? And we said, yeah, what do you want it for? We want to buy a camper van. What? <laughs> Jesus! <laughs> this money's never going to be paid back. We said, well, look, the money is ours now and you know, we want it. We're going to buy a camper van and here's the thing, we're going to go surfing. <laughs> Which is part of the branding exercise. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, is that lost on him? Uh, yes, uh, well, I don't think we, uh, we ever really discussed it too much with him after that. <laughs> Whether he admired us from afar, we don't know. But he's a lovely man. But, yeah. um, but you know, I mean, obviously, it was a huge success. But even so what, what, of, why was that first investment important? Then the camper van. What did you do with it? it? We what didn't we do with it? I mean, I had some people saying like, you know, like you've ten of them, or how many do you have on the road? I mean, we got it stuck down right. Liz. What was her name? Liz, the journalist. Her yes. down her drive. I mean, we literally couldn't. He took off the front of Dunn's doors with it at one stage. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I suppose the we, one outstanding article I remember, I can't actually remember the paper, was one of the broadsheets anyway. And there was, uh, it was sort of two thirds of a page of an article. I can't remember what was on the bottom. And there was 10 startup companies with like, you know, three or 400 words maybe on each one. Small, you know, three or four, five or six paragraphs. So a nice little amount about each one. But the photograph was the entire camper van like that was that was the photograph yeah, it's just a, and like there was loads of other stories of that 
Um, people really notice it. People, and it's kind of, it's just kind of likable. You know, yeah. sometimes you can. And we still have it. Some vehicles can be likable. Oh yeah, it's still going. Through. Well, I wouldn't say it's, it's just. It just got It just got through its DOE. <laughs> <laughs> we had a few quid. <laughs> that so, wasn't a bribe. That was a. <laughs> so I mean, you had the so, so you had the recipes at this stage, and you had yeah. the money, and I guess a big part of what you do, we were talking about it yeah. earlier, is the branding. Yeah. And 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 the van was part of the branding, and also you kind of very much came from a. A design background. Yeah. I mean, what's the, the the balance of importance there when it comes to the the product I, versus how yeah, you sell it? Yeah, I suppose it? there's there's the, there's the three stories, isn't there? There's the balance. There's the getting the money. There's the developing the recipes. There's the trying to get the listing, and there's listing the supermarket. And there's yeah, and then, then there's spending money basically, which is the branding and all the rest of it. Like that was where the majority of the of the money was going. You know what I mean? So you're you're really kind of promising one thing and kind of like I was Sully was much better at that than I was basically kind of yes we're listed <laughs> I remember but, hearing that <laughs> but the branding was something which we didn't understand branding um, at that stage we didn't understand the importance of branding and I remember when I was leaving Musgrave I, this one of the directors of Musgrave brought me into his office and was asking about the business and he was saying I, I was telling what we were going we were going making shepherd's pie and fish pie and that's what we we're going to sell and he's asking me more and at the end he said he said you know you're not selling pies you're you're, you're developing a brand and I said no, no 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 we're selling pies and he said no you are creating a brand and we had we had and so Cully and Sully to us was a name we didn't think of it as a brand and it wasn't really I think until a number of months afterwards that it re- certainly on me that it didn't dawn on me that when you see all the newspaper articles that were generated about us and you remember being in a supermarket one day and these kids coming up to me and kind of going Cully and Sully Cully and Sully Cully and Sully and it took quite a while for it to register that you were developing a brand. I mean, when we sold our business, we we have we, when, we, when we were launching our business and when we sold our business, you know, we had no factory, we, we had no assets. The only asset was a camper van and a coffee machine inside it. <laughs> and um, we know that because the of, asset was because we were looking at our assets doubling in value. Yeah, yeah, yeah what's that? Um, so so the brand kind of t- it took on a life of its own. And, you know, how the tone of voice, it was always our tone of voice. I mean, it was always just the two of us. So it was very natural. But that was something that we learned. We didn't know. Of course, a great brand is, is so important to kind of make yourself stand out on the, on the, on the shelf of a supermarket amongst all the competition. Yeah. Um, what, what was that selling in like? I guess you actually had experience because you've been on the inside of a supermarket. Well, I was on the inside, but I was in the operations part of the cash and carry business of Musgrave. So I didn't really have that much experience of buyers. I was familiar with them and I kind of I knew who the buyers and I was friendly with quite, quite a few of them. So I wasn't I wasn't really scared of them. Um, but Ireland, and it's become more concentrated, but at the time you had you'd four retailers, you had mm-hmm. Musgrave, Superquin, Duns and Tesco and, and Spar. And um, so naturally, the natural thing to do was to go to Musgrave. But Musgrave and all the retailers, in fairness, are quite strict. They've got quite strict codes of conduct and so on. So um, I was going into somebody uh, in Cork who I didn't know. And we had a meeting and they were quite intrigued. But I mean, the ready meal category at the time in Ireland in 2004, again, was it was pretty poor. It was really poor quality products. And so they were quite excited about the idea of the two of us doing some, particularly the Ballymenu Association. So they were very open to us uh, doing what we were doing. But doesn't mean they played hardball. I mean, they played very hardball with us. Our first at, meeting, at, at I mean, start. our first selling yeah. was by far the hardest. It was really, yeah, really, it was really hard. Tough. Yeah, it was. Re- and I, 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 yeah, anyway. And um, so then we went along to Superquin, who were the next people, and we said to Superquin, well, we have a listing with, uh, with Musgraves. They were like, well, we probably have to take you guys in. And, uh, but they were, Superquin were very, very supportive. They were wonderful. And then we were to, in our mind, that was, 
enough to get going with. And then Dunn's, after we launched, Dunn's phoned us up and they were very supportive. They wanted us in. Um, Tesco, we didn't get into for quite a few years yeah, after, yeah. A, a, after we launched. And that was very hard because, you know, you're marketing to all of Ireland. And Ireland, as we said earlier on, it is small. And yet 25% of the population can't get your stuff. And people will say, oh, well, you know, I'll go to whatever supermarket. But if you shop in a Tesco, you shop yeah, in a Tesco. Yeah. If you shop in a super value, you shop in a super value. You're not going to go off five miles to buy a Cully and Sully uh, Shepherd's Pie. Why were they sceptical? Not just Tesco, I guess, all of them. What, what were the products they're skeptical about any new products is, is the reality of it. Like, you know what I mean? It's a yeah. big punt for them to bring in a new product and, mm. and it works. I mean, I think also just like going back to the where the where the market was at that time, you know, the, there was a bit of own label, whatever that was, I can't remember, but then the other brand was Denny, whatever it was. And that pie was probably like two euros or two pounds. Well, I don't know when the euro pound <laughs> was a two pounds and two euros. And we were five euros fifty. Like we were probably mm. twice the price, if not more. And they were selling two for two for the three, was it two for the price? Why they they double? So we were and like that. We were we were very expensive. Um, and that's I suppose. But we weren't making much money. We weren't expensive mm. for the sake of being expensive. This yeah. is what it cost to produce it. Yeah. And I mean, all the prices have risen since. But then what you were buying was, if you're buying a cheap pie, it's, it was cheap. Uh, and people are often suspicious of, of supermarkets, aren't they? They come in for a lot of flack for kind of squeezing smaller suppliers yeah. and, and pressuring them to give kind of, you know, lower prices and, yeah. and, and discounts like that. I mean, was that the kind of thing you were coming up against, trying to compete with the, 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 well, the cheaper pies, well, you, two you, for a fiver? You, you, ha- you always have to work it from, from, and you have to go into, the, into this industry with your eyes wide open. Yeah. Um, the supermarket buyer is tasked with managing his category, and that, that's his job. And he'll have a category average margin in, in that category. So if you can, so if, if the average margin is 20% or 30% or whatever margin is, 50%, whatever it is. That's the margin for the supermarket. Margin for yeah. the supermarket, yeah. If you're going to go into that category and you're going to half his margin, well, that's going to make, he's not going to want that because that's going to, he's not going to be getting his bonus probably. Mm. So you have to understand before you go in there, well, what's the margin? What, what are the, you can't go in, you know, being naive. And, and a supermarket, supermarket industry is not a place for naive people. So you need to know, well, okay, that's what their margin is. Obviously, you negotiated, they negotiated and so on. Um, but, you know, it's a t- tough business. They're selling, they have, a, they have a shelf space, which is very valuable, and you've got to perform. Um, you, you must have had a kind of a home team advantage when starting in Ireland, because as we were saying earlier, everyone loves an Irish, an Irish brand. Was it more of a difficult sell then when you started trying to, to crack the international market? Because to them, it's kind of like, so what, they're from Cork. Yeah, um, so... Maybe two years into it, and certainly when we had the soups and the, the success of the soups, we were always coming over here to the UK. And Board B are hugely helpful in um, getting introductions, and we'd go in and we'd meet them, and we'd give the presentations, and we'd then they'd come up with an excuse saying, "Oh well, maybe your brand won't work over here. People won't like the style of your soup because our soup soup was a very different style to what was in Ireland at the time, and, and what what perhaps probably still is in the UK. Mm. No, absolutely and, very different. Um, but they, there was always kind of excuses and they were kind of saying, well, maybe it's us. So we employed these kind of consultant people who were maybe ex-Sainsbury buyer or ex-Waitrose buyers and they couldn't get it over the line. And and then, you know, with business and whatever, hindsight, is it's, it's a really wonderful thing to be able to think back at, at, in things. And I often think it's the same situation of, say, for example, if it was an, so we, you know, are one of the main soup suppliers in, in, in Ireland. We do a good job. I think we make good soup. We deliver into the supermarkets. You know, it works well. If an English manufacturer was to come into one of the Irish retailers and they have and they they do so I'm quite sure and they were to offer a soup they need to really be bringing something very very different or something very very special for it to be listed 
So it was the same thing. We, we thought we were bringing something special, but the buyer, again, you got to look at it from the perspective of the buyer. He's getting, or he or she are getting their margin. They're getting their growth. Everything is hunky-dory, grand job. They don't want to, you know, these two Irish fellows coming from Ireland, Jenny and Macaroon, they, risk they're going to cause headaches. Yeah, you know, yeah, I don't yeah. want headaches. But there does seem to be a much more receptive climate right now to startup brands by supermarkets. Isn't that right? Yeah, I think so. There's an awful lot more. And, and don't get me wrong, the supermarkets were very, resp- were very receptive mm-hmm. of what we were doing. And they are very receptive. Supermarkets are one of the most receptive, you know, dynamic organisations in the world. I mean, if everybody wants organic, they will do organic. Yeah. If everybody wants cheap food, they will, I mean, they will turn their stores around over night kind of job i mean they're extraordinary organizations um but yeah but 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 you're seeing more brands in there because consumers are demanding more brands consumers are finally well not finally that's a bad thing to say but people are demanding more healthy food now so you are seeing organics getting bigger you are seeing much healthier baby food for kids you're seeing better quality prepared meals all across the supermarket there's free from is coming through people are taking aspartamine and all this kind of carry on out of food um, which is a great trend. It's, it's, we're not. We've a long way to go, but um, it's getting there. So you both uh, know what it's like to run a family food business. Yeah. Do, does Cully and Sully still feel like a family business or like a, a business between friends? Uh, yeah. Do you know what it does? I, I suppose there's been there's been no family businesses. Are, I mean, the, the Ballymaloo influence on 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 our brand was massive, and they were so supportive. And my family were. Like instrumental at the very beginning of it. So they had and, their fingers yeah. in the pies. <laughs> the yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there's an awful lot of them. <laughs> so I mean, I, I actually I was only talking about it to, to some of the entrepreneurs here in in um, on the trip on the on the on the trip here. Like my grandmother, who's got bless her, she's ninety three or ninety four now. We were just at her birthday recently. I can never remember. I always get mixed up which which one she is. I'm sort of a year ahead of me. But so so it was ten. It was two thousand and four. So so thirteen years ago. So call her eighty at the time give or take and you know so she was an, an elderly lady at that stage and we sat down and Sally was there and it was kind of a bit of a scary moment and we were saying like you know we just you know we're saying something we want to use Ballymaloo recipes we don't want to call it Ballymaloo foods or anything like that but we want to use the Ballymaloo shepherd's pie and the Ballymaloo fish pie um, recipe and um, so all my aunts were there and they're all family they're all very emotionally attached to the business and it's like oh god this is going to be top solid man. this is going to go so, <laughs> so anyway but it was I, I just like you know a lot of they were all kind of humming and hawing about Bally moving on a ready meal like, and fair enough like I would have been as well my grandmother was clear clear as the day she was like there's no problem bringing out ready meals just as long as the quality is right. And she was and that, making sure the quality was right. Uh, she, I mean, was just, but the first thing is, you know, she always took the same principles, which was fascinating. And then, of course, yes, but then she delivers on them as well as, as any great business person does. You know, she came over to France with us. She walked the entire Fleury Michon. She had her walking stick heading around. She like, and she asked all the tough questions, you know, flipping, there's one thing about old people, they don't, don't give a damn, you know, <laughs> you know, you know, you have that scary they aunt They to over. be friends in the yeah, end of the day, exactly. they have enough friends. <laughs> it's like, the older you get, the more yourself you become, I love that expression. Um, yeah. And, you know, you found it difficult to get financing at the beginning, but it didn't take too long, I suppose, given your, your growth, yeah. that people came knocking on the door. What, what was it like when you started first getting approaches from potential buyers? Um, we'd had different approaches over the years and we talked to different people, um, but it was never the right time. Uh, then in 2012, we'd, so we don't manufacture ourselves. Um, so when we started off, one of the pe- big pieces of advice that we got was to find factories at a spare capacity and go in there because, you know, to build a factory is like, you know, a million euros or whatever it costs. Mm-hmm. So we didn't have that kind of money. 
So that process worked really, really well for us over, over, over the years. But we had lots of difficulties um, with uh, different manufacturers. And in 2012, in 2011, 2012, there was so many things happening with, with the different manufacturers in Ireland, the fallouts from property and all those kind of carry on. And the marketplace, Superquin, um, had just uh, got into trouble and was taken over by Musgraves. You'd, you had basically, you had three retailers in the market. And that's, you know, that means three customers control the fate of your business. And, and that was, that was mm. that's quite a scary place to be. And I was, I was very concerned about, about, about that. And Superquin was a, was a big part of our business. I mean, they were a small part of the Irish market overall. I mean, maybe, I can't remember if they were five or 6%, but they were probably 12 or 13% of our business. They were an extraordinary supermarket as a, a, supermarket. an incubator for small brands yeah. because you had a small amount of stores with a really high, you know, high, mm. whatever, you know, shoppers in them basically yeah. money to spend. Yeah. So, so that was happening in the marketplace. There, we were having a lot of problems with with manufacturing. We were looking at the idea of manufacturing. We were actually very close to setting up our own factory, which is something which I really did not want to do. I did not want the idea of having machines and and hundreds of staff and all that kind of stuff. And so there was that going on. And then there was the fact as well that, you know, we couldn't seem to get the brand off the island of Ireland. We'd been over here in England. We'd had tremendous support from Port Bia and, and that's for the people. We'd gone to France. We'd launched in France. But again, to make that happen properly, we needed a lot of resource. We really needed one of us to come and live um, in France to make to make that happen properly. So we had a lot of those kind of things happening. And... Um, We'd had a very, we'd had one company, one Irish company, who had tried to buy us, but it was just a disaster of, of a process. And then this, so this this American company, Hain Celestial, who had bought New Covent Garden, which was the biggest soup brand in 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 the UK, and in fact, I mean, they created um, fresh soup. New Covent Garden was probably the fresh soup first fresh soup brand in the in the UK or in the story, world. Yeah. And so the US, the UK guys who were, you know, came to us and said, look, you know, would you be interested in selling your business? And we were very clear with them. We, we didn't want it. We couldn't spend months and months messing around. We were a very simple business because, as I said, we didn't have any assets. So we were a very easy business to understand. And we said, look, yeah, we could be interested, but this is what this is, this is where we're at in terms of the numbers in our head and so on. That's how we, we want it done. We had to build a factory, you know. Yeah. We had we we had to get to the, you know we were kind of really at a crossroads, so yeah. we had a very a very finite amount of time, like three months for them to make their mind up kind of job. Yeah. Yeah. And they what came to you with the manufacturing capacity? Yes, they had manufacturing capacity, um, and they had they also had so for example with Tesco or with you know so we're in say Delays in Belgium now we're one of the main brands in there they had that relationship so they have lots of relationships and um, you know we, and it's extraordinary I mean we get on extraordinarily well with them they have never they don't get in, they, they leave us alone they leave us to our own thing they don't say well you got to take the cost out of that or whatever yeah. there's never been a single even you know slight temptation or whatever or utterance of, of anything like that they leave us they very much respect what we do, they own lots and lots of brands. So they own Ella's Baby Food, they own Tilda Rice in the US, they own Earth's Best, and they're an amazing company. And they all they own all pretty much um, natural and organic uh, businesses. But it feels like a healthy way of life is their kind of yeah, healthy way of life, which suits you guys perfectly. But it does sound from from the way you're describing it like you didn't feel like there was much of a choice at the time. That be right? No, we did have a choice, and that choice would would really have been to set up a manufacturing facility. Um, but again, with hindsight, you got to play to your strengths and neither of our strengths 
really was in manufacturing. We could have got somebody in to do it, but again, you know, to make to be brilliant at it, you need to have one of us needs to be brilliant at manufacturing. We're yeah. very good at the recipe development, very good at you know getting out there with the supermarkets, that kind of stuff. But you know, logistics, we're not good at uh, manufacturing. I'm, I'm not good at it. He'd, be a, he'd be a disaster. I'd probably be a disaster as well. Yeah. <laughs> You're both the recipe and the branding people. I know Cork likes to think of itself as the foodie capital, doesn't yeah. it? I'm sure there's other places, what did you I'm say? Sure there's other places who disagree. No, no, no. Cork is the oh, foodie. Yes, of course, of course. So has the rest of the country caught up yet? Oh, well, I do know I think a great story there is, is um, way back in the day, going into the super value in, in Abbey Leaks, which is actually where my mum comes from, and... Um, saying, you know, will you stock Cully and Sally soup or how's it going or whatever? And they go, oh, no, no, no. This is Avonmore country here. <laughs> and a couple of years later anyway, full range of our soup. Still have the Avonmore there, but... <laughs> so but that was, but that very was, much so. Yeah. Ireland has changed hugely since then. I mean, Dublin is extraordinary for food right now. Galway is amazing for food. I mean, you know, you, you, can, you can eat really well. There's a lot of catching up to do. We pitch ourselves as being a food island. We've got a lot of work to do. Um... But, uh, but no, but I mean, the, the range of restaurants and you know, for pl- places for lunch and healthy food that's an offer now is fantastic. Well, that's the thing. The health, the health food yeah. is where yeah. you guys really kind of are, are, are passionate yeah. believers and taste. Well, yeah. it has, I guess it has to be tasty if has you're going to get people to eat it. But yeah, but I, 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 don't, I, I see it a lot in sport, but it's not just obviously in sport. But the education that our kids are getting now around healthy eating is just streets. Like... Like, but particularly as you see with, say, with sport, and it's not just about whey protein and all the rest of it. Like, like people now, young people are very conscious of what they're putting in their body. Like, sorry, a lot of young people are very conscious of what they're putting into their body, be it for, you know, sport, be it for just their own health. It's definitely, I really feel there's a, there's a kind of a change happening there. Um, you guys are working in, in schools these days, aren't you, to try and encourage uh, kids in general to make those right choices. Tell us a bit more about that work. Where did that start? Yeah. So over the years, so when we started our business, how we promoted the business at the start was that we used to stand in supermarkets every Wednesday, Thursday, Friday and Saturday and we'd have our aprons on, we'd have a microwave and we'd be heating up the pies. And our fresh herbs. Fresh herbs and get little <laughs> recipe books. And we'd be getting people to sample the pie or the soup or whatever. And it was extraordinary. You're meeting, depending on the supermarket, but anything from, say, 50 to two, 300 people in, in a day. And it was an extraordinary you know, thing of meeting lots and lots of people. And one of the things that was very obvious to us, I think, was was um, how far removed so many young kids are now from food. Um, and then as, that's all playing into what we were talking about earlier on, about people not understanding food and, you know, gluten-free, is it this, is it sugar, or whatever. Um, so for us, one of the areas we'd like to try and help influence mm. is educating kids in Ireland about food so that they can make their own informed decisions. So we've been partnering... With a, uh, with a not-for-profit um, organisation called Grow It Yourself, run by a guy called Mick Kelly down in Waterford. He's done amazing work and um, we partner with him and we, we've done things like we, get, we send out uh, our tubs with earth in it and earth in them and seeds and send them to offices and get people to grow peas or whatever in their offices. Yeah. And we've just last I'm week proved that it works. Kids. Yeah. I have a big thing that I want to try and get greenery in our office and I tried growing in our office and I failed miserably. <laughs> I tend to fire students and everything if they didn't look after the <laughs> stuff. 
But yeah, it, it, then it, it transformed into the schools. Yeah. So last week we had a campaign and we finished with the finale of, of a campaign where we'd 46% of all Irish secondary schools entered, which was amazing. I think it was 427 teams or something. Yeah. Um, we had six teams come down to the finals, which we held in GIY in the Grow Yourself in Waterford. And, you know, we'd won from Donegal, mm-hmm. won from the Aran Islands, from Longford, um, from Middleton. Um, and the, the creativity, the passion, the confidence of these kids, these were first year kids up to kind of transition year kids. And the ideas they had and they, what they had to do was to come up with kind of a business idea around you know around their around their product around their four four challenges to the to the thing are you incubating competitors (laughs) for yourself (laughs) (laughs) yeah they want to eat all the nice food too (laughs) but But it was all about you know they were talking to us they and it was them coming to us at messages of local of food being medicine yeah of um eating organic community kind of based stuff Oh yeah, and so so we got yeah, so we just like a couple of days we kind of wanted a, a, a sort of a celebrity or yeah to come on to the um to the judging panel with us. And I just done some work with Ros Purcell and for um a kind of a YouTube thing we were doing or a website thing. And actually we rang her and she ca- she is brilliant. She's I mean, fair credit to her. She came down, she um knew everything. She she came down the train, so she'd done all her homework. She knew way, way more than I knew at that stage where she used to her. <laughs> And she really embraced it. And no, brilliant. Um, and she was great with the kids. Sally was very embarrassed. And she's embarrassed. great with food. Yeah, Sally was very embarrassed. Well, not embarrassed, very put out is the word I'm looking for. When, <laughs> when all the kids want the photograph of Roz and not him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's taking the line right away, people. <laughs> no, so yeah. um, big thanks to Roz, actually, yeah, for just to work. So listen, I mean, Colleen Sally's nearly 20 years old now at this stage. Don't say, that, don't say that, don't Sorry, say that. Sorry, yeah. my age is... <laughs> <laughs> What, 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 what's no, the next year thing? About 14 years old. Well, we've just launched a range of broths, um, which are going really well. The the broths are the biggest thing right now. We're going to bring out a range of organic soups. It's one of the things we, we really, we really mm. like to be able to do. It's a very difficult thing to do because all our, our vegetables are fresh. Um, so getting a, a supply of organic, say, fresh onions all year round um, is a tricky thing to I, do, but we're looking at different recipes to do that. So when it comes to growing the business in the future... Um, you know, what's your, your gut telling you about whether it's to be more categories or more markets? Where are, your ambition, <laughs> where are your ambitions lying? I think for us, it's really here in the UK. Um, so, you know, we're in 3,000 Tesco's here in the UK at the moment, which is extraordinary. We, you know, we're in 100 odd Tesco's in, our, in Ireland. Um, so that the scale of the UK is 65 million people. So we are um, you know, 10% of Tesco sales already within, within a year or 20%. Um, in their London stores, um, which is extraordinary um, growth. So just we want to try and get that in, in other countries or in other, other parts of England. We're in France, we're in Belgium, both of those markets going really well. The difficulty for us is going beyond that, you know, Spain, Australia, yeah. You, you got, you're getting to... Hot weather, like Yeah, <laughs> weather, ex- exactly. Well, it's cold in the winter, so, time, but it's, yeah, it's seasonal. It's more and more and more seasonal. Yeah. Even England is a lot more seasonal than Ireland. Yeah. Mm. But here, I mean, there's plenty of growth in this market over here, so, yeah. Okay. And listen, in, in 20 years' time, when you're doing another interview like this, what do you want to be talking <laughs> about then? My holiday. <laughs> Feet up, fire, hot how my, how my children have, like, you know, you know, grown from my brilliant fatherhood. <laughs> I think it'd be very important to us, though, even even at that stage, that you know, Colleen Sully is still a really high quality tasting soup. I mean, that would be that would really 
bother me if uh, if 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 it went down the wrong wrong path. As some brands, when they're acquired, do, um, but ours ours hasn't. I don't think it will. Colleen Sully, thank you very much thank for you talking very much. to us. You're very it's welcome. Pleasure, pleasure. Thank Cheers. You. Thank you very much. And that is it for the very first Architects of Business. Thank you very much for tuning in. Thanks, too, to our producer, Patrick Hawhey, all the production team here at Joe, and our sponsors, EY Entrepreneur of the Year. You can learn more about this year's programme by visiting their website, eoy.ie, and there's more information on all this year's finalists there, too. Make sure to subscribe to us via iTunes, Podcast Republic, Stitcher, all the usual good platforms. You can also watch us on YouTube. And while you're there, you might as well check out some of Joe's other podcasts. We've got the GAA Hour, the Hard Yards on Rugby, and also our new movie show, The Big Review Ski. Come back to us on the Architects of Business next week when I'll be talking to the brains behind Super Awesome. So do come back and join us for that. Bye-bye. The Architects of Business on Joe is supported by the EY Entrepreneur of the Year programme, telling the story of Ireland's leading entrepreneurs across the island of Ireland. Thank <laughs> you.